Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, Emily and I discovered that our bathroom was infested with mold. And as we opened up the area where we first discovered the mold, we found that not only was it under our tub, but it had spread significantly up to many of our walls in the bathroom. Not a fun experience. But as I think about that experience, I wonder, isn't sin just a lot like mold? Where it starts small, but it grows, it spreads, it corrupts. And this is very much what we see happening in the opening chapters of Genesis. We first have Adam and Eve's first sin, but then sin continues to spread like mold in the hearts of all humanity. Now, outside the garden, Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain is a farmer, Abel is a shepherd, both very noble professions. And at some point, they both present an offering to God from their work. Now, an offering shows one's gratitude and dependence on God out of love for God. It acknowledges that he's the one that has ultimately given us what we have. Uh, for Cain, God had ultimately provided the fruit of the ground. For Abel, God had ultimately provided his flocks. And in this passage, God accepts Abel's offering, but not Cain's. Why is that? Well, what does Abel offer? The text tells us that he brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. 
Now, it is certainly an act of faith to bring the firstborn of your flock. And the reason for that is you don't know if your flocks are going to have any more children. And that's a problem if you're tending sheep, if you keep losing them rather than generating more. So that's an act of faith to the Lord. But you're also, by giving the fat portions, you're sacrificing the best, most delicious parts to the Lord. We're not talking about the fat that you would trim, but rather like things like the rib meat that would be sacrificed. Hebrews 11.4 also reflects back on this and says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So we see that Abel gave God his best. His offering was made in faith and trust toward God. And so he comes to God really with the right heart attitude. What about Cain? What well, says Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground? Notice the difference. There's nothing said about the quality of the offering. Abel gave his best to God. Cain just gave something. And as we see Cain respond to God after this scene, we realize too that his heart was certainly not right with God as well. God's regard for Abel's offering makes Cain very angry. And in fact, if you have a sibling, especially a younger one, maybe you can relate to this situation. Please don't kill your siblings though, okay? Just caveat. So the Lord speaks with Cain and he basically explains what Cain needs to do. He's showing that he wants Cain to mend his ways to be in fellowship with him, to be accepted. He tells him the reason Cain is not accepted is because he's doing the wrong thing. The fix for his anger is to do the right thing, to have the right attitude toward God in faith. And God warns Cain that if he continues down this wrong path, sin is lying in wait for him. He calls him to rule over sin rather than letting sin devour him. And at this point, Cain could go, you know what, you are absolutely right. I accept your wisdom here. I, I am gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change this. But rather than accepting God's wisdom, he allows jealousy and bitterness to fill his heart. And he allows his anger toward his brother to grow so much that he murders him. You see, sin warps how we see others as we stew on our bitterness and anger and hatred. We've continually said that we fall into sin because we mistakenly think that what we want for ourselves is better than what God wants for us. And here we have yet another instance of that. Cain murders his brother in order to fix, supposedly, his problem, which it doesn't. And he does this rather than listen to what God is telling him. He spilled innocent blood because of his anger and his jealousy. His sin, which began in his heart, like mold, spread through until it reached his actions. And as a result, sin rules over him rather than him ruling over sin. Murdering Abel did not solve his problems because sin never does. 
And when God then confronts Cain in this next scene, he really is, is approaching them in a similar way as he does Adam and Eve. Where is Abel your brother? God's giving Cain an opportunity to confess to what he's done. But instead, Cain just flat out lies. I don't know. Am I responsible for my brother? You know, Cain, you might be. You just might be. God calls him out. What have you done? The blood of innocent Abel is crying from the ground for justice. And so God issues Cain's sentence of justice for his grievous crime against his own blood. As the ground has received Abel's blood, so now Cain will be cursed from the ground. It won't produce for him as much as he needs, so that he's going to have to wander from land to land and area to area to get the food he needs. And Cain complains. He doesn't say, I'm sorry. He doesn't say, I did the wrong thing. He doesn't say, Lord, I, I need your forgiveness. He just complains that the punishment's too much for him. He's going to be driven from the ground, hidden from God's presence. Someone might kill him. Does anyone see the convoluted reasoning there? He's just killed his brother, and yet he's worried about someone killing him. And this really just shows us how much sin warps our perceptions and multiplies our selfishness to the point where we don't take responsibility for our actions and instead we see ourselves as the victim. Sin, which began in the garden, is now spreading like mold, like a wildfire in the hearts of humanity. All because humanity believed that what we want for ourselves is better than what God wants for us. All because humanity mistrusts the only fully trustworthy being in the universe. Now here's something very epic in this story though. Despite Cain's wickedness, God is still merciful to Cain. Cain doesn't deserve mercy, but God gives it to him. While he'll receive his punishment, God will place a mark on Cain to show that he's not to be killed. To tell everyone, beware, because if you kill Cain, he's going to be avenged seven times over. Now, we don't know what this mark on Cain was. Was it a special tattoo or some type of body marking? We're not sure. But what we do know is that God could just throw him to society, to his other family, his future siblings, to come and then avenge their brother Abel by killing Cain. But instead, God in his mercy issues a protection order to preserve Cain's life. And this reminds us that our God is a God of justice but also of astounding mercy. And as the scene ends, Cain departs from God's presence, moving further away from the Lord. Because ultimately, that's what sin does. It moves us further away from the Lord. The startling news, of course, is that our world follows in Cain's footsteps. We see this when someone shoots someone over a petty disagreement. When selfishness and jealousy cause people to hate one another. We see it when those clearly guilty of crimes don't accept responsibility and play the victim. 
We see it in the vile words coming from people's mouths online or offline as a result of bitterness in their own hearts. We see it in how God's words and ways are ignored both by our world in general, but also by Christians in particular as we attempt to twist God's words to fit our own desire. And that reminds us too that you and I are also like Cain. We don't always give God the best he deserves. In fact, it's far too easy for us to approach God not out of devotion or faith, but just so we can check off a box. I've done my duty for the week. I've gone to church, whatever. We know Jesus deserves our best, our time, our talent, our treasure, our devotion. But how often do we give him so much less in the interest of serving ourselves instead? You see, many times in the busyness of our lives, God becomes an afterthought. And yet God deserves our best, not our leftovers. I mean, think about it. Would it, would it be all right if a husband spent all of his time and energy and devotion on his job and on his friends, and then when he came home, just kind of gave the very little energy he had left over to caring and loving for, his, caring for and loving his wife? Uh, no, I don't think so. That would not be okay. Not how marriage should work. But it's also not how our relationship with Jesus should work either. You see, we can talk about how bad Cain was, but I think we all are more like him than we care to admit. Because doesn't our anger and bitterness come out in our actions as well? How ugly do we get when someone offends us? How often do we fail to take responsibility for our actions? How often do we elevate our own wisdom above God's? While we may never murder someone, many of our own attitudes and actions mirror Cain's. And so the question is, are we doomed just like Cain? To wander the earth like fugitives, to be far from God. Well, we certainly know that like Cain, our punishment was far too much for us to bear. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were far from God, unable to be near to him, walking and delighting in our sin. In fact, Old Testament scholar John Walton says, distance from God is not just because we sin, it is because we enjoy sin, we cherish sinful ways, even protect our right to sin, and resist any attempt to harness our depravity. And our sin has earned us God's judgment and wrath for all eternity. We're certainly powerless to fix the problem, our crimes against God have been already committed and we continue to sin against him every day in thought, word, and deed. We continue to walk in the ways of Cain. And yet, and yet, God made a way to fix our sin problem, to bring us near to him again. Like Cain, we don't deserve God's mercy. 
but God gives it to us anyway, and even in a greater way than he gave to Cain. Romans 5, 6 to 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 2,000 years ago, innocent blood like Abel's was shed. And that blood, rather than crying for justice, cried for our salvation and forgiveness. Knowing that we could never pay for our own sin and be near to him again, God in his love and mercy sent Jesus on our behalf. You see, God wants a relationship with those he has created. He wants humanity to be near to him. And so Jesus takes our death sentence upon himself so that all who trust in him are given eternal life to be with God forever rather than being cast out of his presence. And so rather than being wandering fugitives, we are God's people. Justice was demanded for our crimes, but that justice fell on Jesus. Our sins were forgiven. We stand now before God innocent, so that rather than following in Cain's ways, we would now follow in the ways of Jesus. Now, while this is not easy, God's Holy Spirit works in us, transforming us day by day as we set our hearts on Christ. And so when we discover that we're acting like Cain, which we do pretty often, we can come before God now, not only to receive forgiveness, but be given the grace and power to change, to be transformed, to grow little by little in following him and reflecting the character of Jesus instead of Cain. Because we can call on him to help us as we struggle to be less bitter, less angry, less hateful, and instead to become more loving, patient, kind, more like Jesus. The more we set our hearts on him, the more we become like him. And we fellowship with one another. All of us who deal with the same kinds of struggles and we support one another in prayer as God's people. The solution to following the way of Cain is to follow in the way of Jesus. To have our lives revolve not around ourselves like Cain, but to have our lives revolve around Christ. And we do this, we can only do this, as we continue to look to Jesus as our source of strength. Let us pray. Lord, what a wonderful God you are to have such mercy and grace upon us. We see in this account of Cain and Abel that we deserve your judgment, and yet you are merciful. We thank you for the mercy that you have extended to us that is a greater uh, mercy than the one extended to Cain, that we now are reunited with you through faith in Christ. Help us to live our lives day by day 
according to that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.